Welcome to the channel of the Wisdom of Anna. Look for the link below the video and make sure to follow for the future podcast. And the link below this video will direct you to your favorite podcast um, studio, which includes Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Once you open the podcast link, scroll over either the Apple, Spotify, or Google button and select your favorite platform. And once you get there, look for the channel Anna Purdue. And I want to give a huge thank you to Kristen S., Rodney T., Angela E., and Leonard L. for your donations to the channel. Whew, they came just in time. Please note, PayPal has permanently suspended my account because of my content. So at this time, I'm totally dependent on donations. Or I do have some Patriot products on my website. And I do get a little bit of commission for those. So if you see anything on my website that you're interested in, and my website is annapurdue.com. And if you'd like to go there and do some shopping on there, I appreciate it. Um, and if you enjoy my material and you do wish to donate, you can do so by clicking on the Stripe account link below the description box. Or you can um, uh, donate. There's a donate button at AnnaPurdue.com on the website. And if you bank with, um, if you have Zelle with your banking, my email is PurdueAnna at Yahoo.com. So let's get started. Did you know there are sinister plans that are put in place by extremely dark occult in ancient times to create America, not America, as the last empire? I mean, we know there's dark occult going on everywhere, but to create the country we live in, for those of us who are here in America? Did you know our nation was not named after Amerigo Vespucci? What if I told you our great nation was in fact named America? which is a Peruvian name meaning Land of the Plumed Serpents. Well, today I'm reading from the compilation of material found on an apocalyptic synopsis website, and much of the information that um, she wrote about, or he, is based on reflections of the Manly P. Hall writings of ant people and the makings of a Maruca. And after listening to this interesting take on our nation here in America, for those of us here, it's going to make a lot of sense to you for how and why overnight we have drifted into the twilight zone of what seems to be a never-ending comedy of horrors. The only suitable analogy for what these Spanish and Catholics did at the behest of the progeny of Jove, just so you know, I will be interchangeably using the words progeny of Jove and the Pythagorean to describe those secret societies that control the world. Anyway, these Joves were in complete control of the papacy at that time in history as that was of a cleaner. They were sent to cover their tracks. Countless millions and unborn billions have perished at their hands. One of those members was Manly P. Hall, and his famous quote, the habits of the insects were carefully studied, 
Therefore, the ant was looked upon as emblematic of industry and foresight as it stored up supplies for the winter and also had strength to move objects many times its own weight. Timely preparation for future eventualities. The foresight of the progeny of Jove and by extension of the great seal of the United States found on our $1 bill has anything whatsoever to do with our Creator Father. Do not be beguiled by the fairy tale definition of this most important of all words. Our Heavenly Father will protect you only to the extent that you enter into the reality and understand the true nature of your enemy of the people I call the progeny of Jove who crucified Christ Jesus and think of you as the walking dead. You must awake to this reality if you want to survive the coming axial tilt. The progeny of Jove has been preparing for the end of this world for at least 2,600 years. They know the truth. Here is a description of Manly P. Hall's death on August 29, 1990. Essentially, as strange as it sounds, Manly Hall's house aide, a man named Daniel Fritz, and his company were linked with Hall's homicide, the embezzlement of his money, and the theft of his research. The narrative, as told by Manley's wife, describes Fritz taking them on a road trip to Halcyon, California from Los Angeles, and when their car broke down, Manley and Fritz separated from Manley's wife, who was at that point picked up by her family that they were already going to visit. So Manley and Fritz remained away for the night, and the next morning Fritz called to tell Mrs. Hall that Manley had died early that morning. However, when paramedics arrived at the scene, Hall's body was ice cold, something that could not have biologically occurred with the time frame that Fritz gave. And furthermore, a horde of worker ants crawled from Hall's corpse mouth after inspection. As stated above, the LAPD did not buy Fritz's story either, and while some legal action was taken against Fritz and his cohorts after a long investigation, the legal action remained surface level, and the research into the case stopped at Daniel Fritz. Is there an explanation as to how these ants managed to get into this house overnight and crawl into Manly P. Hall's mouth? Well, the ants didn't crawl into his mouth. They were put there by the progeny of Jove as a warning to others. The ants were their signature. You see, exposing the truths now is of no consequence. We're too close to the end. But more importantly, this was before the Internet and the smokescreens of the C-I-A conspiracy theories discrediting of anything on YouTube. Now you can say anything. Nobody is listening. That was not true for Manly P. Hall. He had a huge following, and anyone who listens closely to what he had to say, they can hear the truth. He was trying to warn us, and he paid with his life. This association of ants with the progeny of Jove has a long history. For starters, look into the Hopi mythology because it suggests an earth-shattering truth that is difficult to contemplate, namely that the Hopi believe the origin of progeny of Jove predates this world and even the last world. 
The red children of the sun apparently adored their plumed serpent, who they believed was the messenger of the sun. In Peru, this god was called Amaru. From this name comes our word, America. Amaruka is literally translated the priest of the god of peace from their chief center in the Cordilleras, and it once ruled both Americas. All the red men who have remained true to the ancient religion are still under their sway. One of their strong centers was in Guatemala, and of their order was the author of the book called Popol Vuh. And now, the rest of the story. At 8 o'clock in the morning, August the 3rd, 1492, Columbus departed from Castilian Palos de la Frontera, Columbus and his crew embarked on a voyage to find a shorter route to India and the Orient with three medium-sized ships, the Nina, real name Santa Clara, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. The progeny of Jove placed great emphasis on names and dates, and for them no name was more important than the United States of America, the land in which their plans would come to fruition. In fact, The Walsey-Muller map of 1507 was of infinite importance to the progeny of Jove, an unparalleled moment in the unfoldment of their plans, which would explain why the Library of Congress spent $10 million acquiring what is supposed to be the only remaining copy. This lone copy is supposedly the only remaining copy and is strangely performed perfectly preserved over 500 years later. The poet Virgil had once prophesied the existence of a vast southern land across the ocean to the west destined to be ruled by Rome, and he drew what he felt was the obvious conclusion. However, Virgil was not prophesying. The Pythagoreans were already in South America when Virgil wrote those lines. They left shortly before Columbus sailed, which is why the Inca Empire they had created fell into civil war. America, in truth, is named after Ameruca, the Peruvian land they were controlling much longer than they control the Roman Empire. This land, discovered by the king of Castile's captain, Columbus, and also by Amerigo Vespucci, where they claimed a greater amount of gold was to be found than any other metal. They described a path referred as the ecliptic, which marks the sun's yearly movement along the constellations of the zodiac so that to go beyond it meant causing, crossing the southernmost extent of the ecliptic, the Tropic of Capricorn. 19 degrees beyond Capricorn is latitude 42 degrees south. The southernmost extent of America shown precisely as shown on Walt C. Mueller's earlier drawn map. In these precise coordinates, Martin Walt C. Mueller was not prophesying. He was telling exactly where the Roman elite Pythagorean Pythagoreans landed in South America, which is in Chile's huge natural harbor near the present-day city of Portamont. The Americas are not named after Amerigo Vespucci, as is commonly thought. This is a ruse. 
As the story goes, this German named Martin Walsemuller, variously described as a cartographer, scholar, and priest, created a map in 1507 known as the Universalis Cosmographia, which the Library of Congress now describes as the birth certificate of the United States of America because it was the first map to use the name America to describe the new continent. If you recall in your early geography classes, there was always an image of Amerigo Vespucci attached to the United States map. Vespucci not only explored unknown regions, but also invented a system of computing exact longitude and arrived at a figure computing the Earth's equatorial circumference only 50 miles short of the correct measurement. It was, however, not his many solid accomplishments, but an apparent error made by a group of scholars living near Strasbourg, France, in the mountains of Lorraine, then part of Germany, that led America to be named ostensibly after Vespucci, and this is largely why his reputation has suffered. The curious name American, which combines the name Amerigo with the Greek word gen or earth to create the meaning land of Amerigo, but the name yields other meanings. Gen also can mean born, and the word Amerigos can mean new, suggesting as many Renaissance observers had begun to hope that the land of Amerigo was a place where European civilization could go to be reborn, an idea, of course, that still resonates today. Vespucci, it turns out, had no direct role in the naming of America. He probably died without ever even, you know, seeing or hearing the name. But a closer look on how the name was coined and first put on the map in 1507 suggests that, in fact, the person responsible was a figure almost nobody's heard of, a young Alsatian proofreader named Matthias Ringman. How did a minor scholar working in the landlocked mountains of eastern France manage to beat all explorers to the punch and give the new world its name? What did they know that history tell us they should not have known at the time? How was it that a German priest writing in Latin and living in a French city far from the coast became the first person to tell the world that a vast ocean lay to the west of the American continents? The people who knew were most likely Portuguese explorers, or at least those who sailed under the Portuguese flag. It was valuable and most likely secret knowledge. How it got to a priest cartographer working under the patronage of the Duke of Lorraine is a good question. This new map introduced Europeans to a fundamentally new understanding of the makeup of the earth. The map represented a remarkable number of historical firsts. In addition to giving America its name, it was also the first map to portray the New World as a separate continent. Even though Columbus, Vespucci, and other early explorers would all insist until their dying day that they had reached the far eastern limits of Asia. The map was the first to suggest the existence of what explorer Fernandan Magellan would later call the Pacific Ocean, a mysterious decision in that Europeans, according to the standard history of New World Discovery, aren't supposed to have learned about the Pacific until several years later. 
and in how America got its name, he says the map is the first to depict the new world as surrounded by water, the first to suggest the existence of the Pacific Ocean, the first to portray the world's continents and oceans roughly as we know them today, and of course the first to use a strange new name, America, which Ringman and Walsey Mueller printed in block letters across what today we would call Brazil. So how did they know? What we are seeing in this matrix is the signature of someone who raised global positioning to a fine art, not Stone Age degenerates. It is foolishness to think we are the pinnacle of human development. The progeny of Jove knows better. They not only have intimate knowledge of this advanced culture from our past, they have their maps too. Inca is commonly used to refer to the Cachua people of the Inca Empire, whose capital was in the Cusco Valley of Peru, but it is derived from the Cachua word Inca, the literal interpretation of which is given variously as emperor, lord, or king, ruler of the Inca Empire, the supreme ruler of the Incas, ruler or member of the ruling family, man of royal blood, man of royal lineage, royal person. Likely, Inca refers to the Pythagoreans in South America. James Peirce researched an article written in the Theosophical Society magazine entitled Lucifer, which gave insight into the word America. James Peirce says the chief god of the Mayan Indians in Central America was Quetzalcoatl. In Peru, this god is called Amaru and the territory known as Amaruca. Now he states, Amaruca is literally translated land of the plumed serpents. He claims that the name America was derived from Amaruca instead of after the explorer Amerigo Vespucci. There is similarity between the names of Amaru in the mythology of Andean civilizations of South America and Amaru, the god of the Amorites, also known as the Amura people. If the Americas were actually named after the Amorites, that would give a whole new meaning to the idea that the United States of America is the new Babylon of the Book of Revelation. Perhaps this is why the idol of Ishtar stands in the New York Harbor wearing her crown. About 2400 BC, the Amorites were living in what is now southern Turkey and Syria. Amorites means Westerners in Sumerian, and that makes sense because the Amorites lived to the west of Sumer. They spoke a Semitic language and lived partly in cities and partly as nomads. We hear about the Amorites mainly from their neighbors in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamians complained that the Amorites were always attacking them. The giant Akkadian king, Naram-Sin, led an army to fight off the Amorites about 2200 B.C., but after the collapse of the Akkadians around 1900 B.C., the Amorites succeeded in invading Mesopotamia. So, by about 1700 B.C., their descendants created the Babylonian Empire. This empire centered on their capital city of Babylon. 
Babylon was the same place as the old city of Akkad, the old Akkadian capital. When the Indo-European Hittites invaded Turkey, probably the Amorites were not officially conquered, but they did come under the influence of the Hittites and learned a lot from them. Mostly, the Amorites learned how to ride horses and how to use a war chariot for fighting. The Amorites seemed to have used this knowledge to attack Egypt around 1700 BC. At first, they probably attacked the parts of Syria that were under Egyptian control. When the Amorites won there, they continued on south along the Mediterranean coast through Lebanon and Israel into Egypt itself, where they seemed to have controlled the mouth of the Nile, which is the area around the Memphis, for a while. The Egyptians called the Hyksos, which just means the foreigners, the strangers. That's what they were called. They were we would call them strangers, but they were the Egyptians called them Hyksos. So with the start of the new kingdom in Egypt, the Egyptians forced the Hyksos, or Amorites, to leave Egypt. The invaders went back to their own land in Syria and southern Turkey. And we don't know much about them after that. The Christian Bible mentions them, placing them around 1200 to 700 BC. They seem to have eventually been absorbed by the Assyrian Empire. According to ancient historian Velikovsky, in the aftermath of the catastrophe caused by a great comet, tribes from the Arabian desert invaded Egypt, pillaging the country, raping women, and killing the population. This group of people were called the Amu, whom Velikovsky identified with the Hyksos. He wrote, if the catastrophes of the ancient papyrus writings and if the book of Exodus are identical, then the Hyksos and the Amalekites are one. Since the Hyksos worshipped Canaanite gods, especially Baal, it is possible that some of them were Canaanites. In ancient times, because the Amalekites were small in number, they could migrate into a larger population and then work their way into all seats of power. After they hijack or usurper the levels of power via the currency, the government, the courts, and the scribes, they then destroy the spirituality of the nation until they are able to suck the life out of the people. (laughs) This sounds so familiar to what's happening here in America, doesn't it? This was their method of operation, the MO of the synagogue of Satan. In history, we read about the tribes of Kenites, whom are also an ancient tribe that exists for the solo purpose to test your relationship with your God. And of course, the tribe of Esau, the Edomites, who were also an ancient tribe of the Hebrew people. The Amalekites intermarried with both tribes. The oldest of these tribes is known as the Kenites. The Kenite can be viewed as a metaphor for the seed of the serpent or the offspring of the fallen demonic entities found at the root of demon worship. So what about a Maruka? To appreciate it, you must accept the fact that the Pythagoreans were the Americas for a long time. And really, since they were here since before the time of Christ Jesus. Their total time in the Americas revels that of the Roman Empire. If the idea that the Americas are named after Amerigo Vespucci is a ruse, who then are they named after? This is one secret the progeny of Jove does not want to get out of the bag because no one is supposed to know where they, that they were there. 
The progeny of Jove like to leave markers behind to celebrate their accomplishments, and in this case, two Italian men are supposed to have discovered the Americas and the entire continent is supposed to have been named after one of them. It must be hard for the average person to think that the progeny of Jove controls this world to such an extent that they virtually write our history according to a master plan that is thousands of years old. Note, there is an Amertigo Vespucci statue outside of the Uffizi Gallery that is rich in symbolism. It's a statue of an iguana with the iguana's dewlap having nine scales very prominently displayed. This is the stamp of the progeny of Jove. They're practically telling you in this statue that the Americas were indeed named after America. The iguana's dewlap in the statue is arguable, but not anatomically correct. It has spines on the crest, and they look more like they belong on a dinosaur than an iguana's dewlap. Perhaps the artist did this deliberately. What is that higher truth? It is the antiquity of the forces at work here. Is it possible there were a people known as the Phrygians who survived an ancient world catastrophe in underground cities? They alone know what is truly happening. Their descendants exist in the United States military and government, a nameless entity well hidden behind need-to-know clearances that exclude even sitting presidents. They are in the last stages of a plan to survive the next world catastrophe. Only this time, their aim is much higher. They have been acquiring advanced technology that they plan to use to catapult themselves forward once global disaster takes care of the population explosion they carefully orchestrated. The Inca Empire in Peru was indeed their first creation in the New World after largely abandoning the Roman Empire and then naming the Americas after the Peruvian name for their former empire in South America. This further proves that serpent worship was common throughout all cultures. Here again, the focus is on serpent worship instead of why someone would fake naming a continent after someone. Why would they do this? Why falsify history? Brace yourself, friends. This ride is about to get bumpy. Bumpy. 